It was a warm summer evening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in 1982. And my then 12-year-old daughter and I went to see the new film, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. I recall a sweetness about that experience, no doubt created by the cuddly being from intergalactic space. Afterwards, I recall there was a peaceful softness in the air, a feeling of harmony of all things on Earth and in the galaxy, an absence of hysteria that you might think a being from outer space might have caused. Instead, there was a delight in the cuteness of E.T. E.T. learning how to dress like a human child. E.T. learning a second language. In no time, didn't he learn enough English words and phrases to get along and get what he needed? A truly remarkable feat for such a young alien in a new land, not to mention a new planet. Our family fell in love with this small, non-threatening character from intergalactic space. And just a few years before, in 1978, Senator Bill Proxmire, some of you might remember him, he was a very popular Wisconsin Democratic senator. He awarded his monthly, he had something called his Golden Fleece Award. And he awarded it symbolically to highlight government waste. And one month, just a few years before, he awarded it to NASA, to a NASA proposal to research methods for using large radio telescopes in a systematic search for radio signals from extraterrestrial civilizations. Senator Proxmire always garnered positive press and cheers from his supporters for his Golden Fleece Awards. And this one was no different. Proxmire's criticism of the proposed NASA's research for extraterrestrials was effective, and that funding was pulled. Was it the popularity? What, in the next four years, there was um, the popularity of the film E.T., Changed minds, is that what happened? Because it wasn't long after the film E.T. charmed us that the exploration of other galaxies and the idea of using government agencies to explore them became more acceptable. Star Trek was also popular at the time and had been since the late 1960s. Gene Roddenberry, humanist, former Air Force pilot, and science fiction writer introduced unusual looking beings and imaginary but believable situations in space and a dignified way of handling difficult situations with creatures that usually had at least some basic humanoid features about them, although distorted or exaggerated, or they had identical forehead tattoos and markings and dressed alike in the fashions of their planet. Roddenberry's admirable intentions of opening up significant roles for women and persons of color were new for his time. Glimpses of Earth-based political and social situations emerged in the plot lines. Recently, I heard that the 20th century author of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, was a huge fan of the 18th century satirist, Jonathan Swift. 
the author of Gulliver's Travels. Roddenberry once told interviewers that he had similar intentions that Swift had had. He was a great ad admirer of Swift um, from two centuries before. Roddenberry said that in creating Star Trek, he was intent on satirizing 20th century culture using the same satirical model that Jonathan Swift had used in the 18th century. You didn't have to know that to enjoy Roddenberry's, well, I should put that in the present tense. He's very, his work is very much, and his influence is very much present with us. You didn't have to know he was writing political and social satire about the foibles of humanoids. Well, now I wish that Senator Proxmire, who, by the way, was a very good senator in my mind, um, an admirable member of Congress, but he could be wrong once in a while, like he was about funding space exploration. Um, and I wish that he and Gene Roddenberry were still with us to see just how far our exploration has gone and to know that it had been with the support of NASA and, uh, of course, entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and their companies Blue Origin and SpaceX. Uh, there's a book that I discovered in the process of researching for this sermon. There's a book called, and I recommend it, it's called The Space Barons, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and the Quest to Colonize the Cosmos. The author, Christian Davenport, recalls a conversation between Musk and Bezos. Picture, okay, picture this, Elon Musk saying to Jeff Bezos about some ideas that Bezos had proposed. Elon Musk tells him, I'm going to try to do my best Elon Musk imitation. <laughs> Dude, we tried that and that turned out to be really dumb, so I'm telling you, don't do the dumb thing we did. That's the level of conversation between those two. <laughs> An audio story published last month by the New York Times had the headline, the search for intelligent life is about to get a lot more interesting. In July, when NASA released the first batch of images from the Webb telescope, we could glimpse remote corners of the universe with newfound clarity and beauty a panorama of cosmic cliffs, 24 trillion miles tall, constructed from gas and dust. These were the first images from the Webb Space Telescope, and additional powerful instruments being developed will also allow us to view exceedingly, exceedingly distant objects for the first time. One of the goals of the searching is to discern a biosignature. That is an indication that life exists or has at one time existed on those worlds. An example of an earthly biosignature is a clamshell or a bird feather. But before scientists look for a biosignature, they would first need to determine if a planet's atmosphere had air. And then they would ask, okay, what's in the air? And then after years of trying to answer that, 
they could decide if there's a biosignature. There are teams working to find signs of technological civilization on other planets. The purpose of their work is not to communicate with aliens. I find this, this is the best part for me. The purpose of their work is not to communicate with aliens, but to discover the atmosphere of distant worlds and what those might tell us. As one scientist explained, the civilization will just, they'll just be doing whatever they're doing. And we're making no assumptions about whether anybody wants to communicate or doesn't want to communicate with us. They're just doing what they're doing. Isn't that a remarkable change in assumptions? No longer assuming, as many of our science fiction examples assume, nothing wrong with them, but this is they assume, like H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, for example, it's no longer an assumption that we would be at war with such creatures. We would like to study them. And I would think they would like to study us. Everybody curious? Peaceful, interested in science, <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> Since the Webb Telescope's recent discovery of all those planets, we know there are plenty for everybody. Dick gave me a picture this morning, a contrast of what the Red Webb, I know you can't see it, but just imagine. The top one is what the Webb Telescope can see. The bottom one is what we could see before. It's a heck of a lot more planets. And there are plenty for everybody. No need to fight each other to be the first one there. No need to try to wipe out some other government space program. Thank you. <laughs> no need to make up stories and appearances of other beings with all respect to Gene Roddenberry and E.T. So why not share resources and cooperate? Well, you all know of an example of that happening. I'm sure that you know that three weeks ago, to continue the cooperation with Russia, on September 21st, American astronaut Dr. Frank Rubio and two Russian cosmonauts launched into space in what is expected to be a six-month stay on the International Space Station. However, also happening in the present is the buildup of the new U.S. branch of the armed forces, the... There you go. The Space Force was created during the Trump administration. So there is cooperation on the International Space Station on the one hand, while there is preparation for the possibility of intergalactic war on the other. To think about that, let's look at this question. If some country wants to fight off everyone else in intergalactic space, what would our position be as a church? You knew I was going to get to this. As a denomination, or as individuals who identify as Unitarian Universalists. What would our position be towards those who will want to fight the enemy in space? In the light of how much turf and space can be seen out there, such wars seem ridiculous to me. 
Nonetheless, there will be threats of space wars. What's the Unitarian Universalist position on that threat? Another way to explore that question is to ask, what do we Unitarian Universalists mean by the word peace in our sixth principle? So you have the sixth principle on the order of service. On the back, you have a list of principles. And then I'm going to also talk about the fifth source. So I invite you to look at that. You, know, you all know, or if you knew, you might be surprised to learn, we Unitarian Universalists do not have a creed. Some of us, like myself, grew up reciting the Apostles' Creed in the Christian uh, church of my childhood. We have Christian roots, but we do not recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe. We do not have an I believe statement. Instead of a creed, we have these principles to live by, and we have sources that support the principles. Today, I'm lifting up the sixth principle, which states, you can look, it's number six. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. Now, notice the word world there. I'm going to be talking about that especially since the Webb Telescope discovered much evidence of galaxies far, far away, isn't it time to incorporate the word intergalactic? So the revised sixth principle would state, we affirm and promote the goal of world and intergalactic communities with peace, liberty, and justice for all. All the reasons for doing that are contained in the fifth source, so you can skim down, you have to go down pretty far to the fifth source and look at that. It says, the living tradition we share draws from many sources, including humanist teachings, which counsel us to heed the, science, the guidance of reason and the results of science and warn us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. Reason would tell us that engaging in any kind of space war would be not only dangerous, but extremely foolish. There's apparently already more junk. Did you hear about this? There's more junk and debris than, than can be dealt with, and it isn't, going, it isn't going to go anywhere. There's no air, so I'm not a scientist, but I know that it wouldn't decompose, right? Right. Scientist is nodding yes and smiling so good. Consider that the results of reason and science now reveal galaxies far, far away. The Webb Telescope is only the first of additional powerful telescopes being developed that will show us just how small we are, just teeny-weeny specks, and many times smaller than that, and just how large our galaxy and galaxies beyond ours are. So by adding the word intergalactic, to our sixth principle, we would model our goals of peace, liberty, and justice into deep space, with space that needs to be shared with careful attention to its viability by all earthly and intergalactic powers. So, no doubt, 
Some will say there's no hope for continuation of cooperation, <coughs> excuse me, in intergalactic space. And so they reason, don't go and take the steps to add the word intergalactic to our sixth principle. Critics will say that's hopeless. No, no doubt some will echo Senator Proxmire in his Golden Fleece Award to space exploration in 1978 and say, look, we're at a crisis point in our economy and we can't afford these wild goose chases into the unknown with the purpose of observing some weird alien culture. The answer, I have some answers to those. The answer to the first objection that there is no hope for cooperation in space. I already mentioned the cooperation between Russians and Americans have for a long time and now continue to share spacecraft despite the Ukrainian conflict. The answer to the second objection, the economic one, is that exploring is worthwhile because of learning about other galaxies, maybe we can learn something about our own. Maybe we can learn something about our blue planet and how to survive it for another millennia. That would be nice. So if this suggestion is to become a reality, if the word intergalactic were to be added to the sixth principle, the process for such a change is already in place. Unitarian Universalists are really good at doing things like this. We have a process. It takes three years, but it's a good one. It involves, first, for a local congregation to suggest it, and eventually for it to gain support throughout the Unitarian Universalist Association and be studied and studied and become a statement that the entire General Assembly votes on. The last time there was anything having to do with peace was 12 years ago in 2010. There was a statement on peace voted on and passed and the topic was peacemaking, here's what it says. We believe all people share a moral responsibility to create peace, mindful of both our rich heritage and our past failures to prevent war, and enriched by our present diversity of experience and perspective, we commit ourselves to a radically inclusive and transformative approach to peace. So when the time comes, for one of our members to decide whether to join the Space Force or decide what position to take about any intergalactic conflict, our denomination supports the personal discernment process. This UU peacemaking document from 2010 states, for Unitarian Universalists, the exercise of individual conscience is holy work. Conscientious discernment leads us to engage in the creation of peace in different ways. We affirm a range of individual choices, including military service, and a conscious, conscientious objection, whether to all wars or particular wars, as fully compatible with Unitarian Universalism. There was a lot of discussion about this before that 2010 vote. Um, is the question was, is Unitarian Universalism a peace church like Mennonites or Quakers? No, we are not. We honor, as that statement says, we honor both conscientious discernment, uh, we honor conscientious discernment to decide which one you, which choice you want to make. 
This statement was the result of many years of discussion and creating it with the support and scholarship of Dr. Paul Razor, who's one of the UU theologians who writes about just war theory, and John Burens, the past president of the UUA. Um, they came up with clear statement of military service as an individual choice. I'm mentioning this as I wrap up <clears throat> because compared to that complicated and heavily itemized peace-creating statement that the congregations decided on in 2010, having accomplished such an admirable, remarkable, and complicated process, in comparison to that process, I'm suggesting <clears throat> wouldn't the addition of the word intergalactic into the sixth principle, that one word, be much less complicated and a sure thing? <laughs> Wouldn't a statement of faith that adds the word intergalactic to the sixth principle be less complicated and controversial? Well, someone might go to the microphone at the big general assembly how many of you have ever been to a general assembly? A few of you. Okay, so it's a big deal. Thousands of people, microphones lined up, people discussing the, whether you know, they're going to accept whatever. And, and they, someone might step up and argue that you don't need to keep the word world if you regard the word intergalactic as subsuming world. Well, this is the nature of Unitarian Universalists. <laughs> we value the democratic process. We value, and there's, and I, I'm all there. I'm, I'm on board with that. We value the democratic process. We value reason, and we value careful editing. <laughs> it's an inevitable question. Another vote will be taken. The point is, all are engaged and interested in the process. You've got to love the process. In closing, here again is the updated sixth principle of Unitarian Universalism for your consideration. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote the goal of intergalactic community with peace, liberty, and justice for all.